Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. Uh, I am one of three. I'm Jahana. People like me sometimes. Not always, though. Yeah, that's a great review. Uh, it's me, Casualty CDG, and I follow you on Twitter. This is my first time podcasting, and I am happy to have been invited by the fine guys here at Fresh Podcast. That's actually pretty crazy that it's your 59th time of first-time podcasting, um, as this is episode 59 of well, Fresh Out it's actually, Podcast. It's actually you. It's the, my first time doing a 59th episode, actually. That's oh, I, ah, it makes way more sense. That's fair. Um, I am your professional media and movie mastermind of the funhouse, Drew Munhausen. As we said, episode 59, Fresh Out the Podcast. And we are actually, you know, we usually record on Saturdays and we are here on a Sunday evening after we've all, we're all fresh off of watching uh, the premiere of House of the Dragon, uh, the new Game of Thrones spinoff series. We're going to talk about that. But first, to lead in, it seems like an absolute lifetime ago that we did our podcast. I think it had to be back in November of 2021. So not that long ago, but back when Wheel of Time series came out yeah. and if you all remember we did an episode kind of about like the next big fantasy thing and at the time you know we were talking wheel of time thinking maybe you know was that the thing to fill fill that void and uh you know in hindsight i feel like we're the only ones <laughs> that really talked about that show in the universe um of course that's an exaggeration but i that show i don't think was the cultural phenomenon that i i at the time thought it maybe could be um, I agree. I thought that show was going to be like a huge cultural phenomenon. It, it appeared that it wasn't, but it did get approved for what two more seasons, right? So there will be three yes. altogether. So at least they're keeping their their eggs in the basket. You have to do that for a fantasy show if you want it to pan out. One one season will never do. Yeah, it is it, I mean it is coming back. Uh, I thought it was really good too. I was gonna say uh, I didn't mean I didn't mean to make that sound like that it wasn't good because that's yeah. not the case. I didn't want to take the wind out of your sails, John. Because it, cause it I had. Really like that I show. mean, so like it was it was definitely pretty good. It wasn't the it wasn't the greatest thing ever. I like the mythology. I like the like I like what's going on more necessarily than the. Uh, how the show came out, maybe, but um. Well, yeah, yeah, and that, and yeah, and that's fine. I, that's but fine. I think now, here we are with the House of the Dragon premiere, and already within you know two hours of it premiering, I have had a lot of friends already texting, being like, "Yeah, I already watched this," or you know, people chatting online on Twitter. It's like it, this is the topic of of conversation, and it's kind of interesting to be back in that space since we're a few years removed from the game of thrones finale um of course worth noting that i believe around two no a week and a half from now is when the lord of the rings the rings of power uh series premieres on amazon it's gonna drop with two episodes on a thursday night i think the either the second the first the first of september maybe um yeah the first so um so there you go so we've got that on the horizon but for now Let's uh let's dig into to House of the Dragon. I think that's what people are here to 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 listen to and to hear about. And uh, you know, it was an hour six minute premiere. Um, I had seen some of the trailers, but really hadn't paid much attention to what the plot 
was really going to be. I just knew this was the Targaryen prequel series, you know, opened up with the title card that this is 172 years, I believe, before Daenerys Targaryen was born. So first off, before we get into the nitty gritty details of, of what we liked, what we didn't like, you know, where were you at? What were your general thoughts? You know, did y'all like the premiere? Uh, yeah, so my general thought, so I had a hell of a time watching it, but once it got going finally, uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, it. You know, it opens up strong with, you know, it's not a spoiler to say it opens up there's a dragon. Uh, instead of having to wait four or five seasons to see a, a, a goddamn dragon, right off the bat, it gives you it gives you that, that little bit. Uh, and this show's dope, man. It, it's got all the flavor that you want, uh, blood guts sex and violence yeah it's it's game of thrones <laughs> maybe even a dismembered uh man's genitalia spoiler alert dismembered peen maybe it's a huge maybe um so i'm with you drew i didn't know a lot about it i just knew there was another game of thrones show coming uh i wasn't excited for it i wasn't not excited for it i'm not mad or happy I didn't really want more Game of Thrones. I haven't rewatched any of the original stuff. Uh, you know, I played like some of the, the like the Telltale Game of Thrones video game when it came out. I was on board. I watched all the seasons. I liked the content. Um, but I'm happy that it ended. I'm not happy how it ended. I'm happy that it was over. Uh, it didn't keep going. Maybe it ended on a sour note, but it didn't just keep going until it was unwatchable. It stopped, and I like that. So this scares me that it's just going to keep going until it gets bad now. Um, but that's not what happened after watching the first episode. I actually kind of enjoyed it. I had some low expectations, maybe. Uh, but I was like, once it's kicked off, I was like, bro, this is totally watchable. Uh, and, and the production quality is definitely great. Uh, they definitely paid for some expensive CG this time around. Uh, where it felt like last time they... <laughs> they almost spent all their CG on the dragons. Like, the, the more the show went on, the better the dragons looked and the less fighting you got. Uh, this show, huge aerial shots of the city, huge dragon shots, just all kinds of just putting you right back into Westeros. Uh, they did a great job reestablishing King's Landing uh, with, with some really cool shots. I, I liked it, man. I give it a big thumbs up on this episode. Yeah, it's nice, yeah. It's nice that a prequel series... Like, you always worry with prequels and, like, spinoffs and all that kind of thing that it's just going to be standing on the shoulders of the, the main show, blah, blah, blah. This show stands alone, in my opinion. Like, you don't need to have watched Game of Thrones, honestly. You don't need to... You're rewarded for having seen it with, like, bits and pieces. But it's all completely unnecessary in this show. So far, I think it could stand on up on its own. Agree with pretty much everything y'all have said. Um, I thought the look and everything... I, I, I guess watching the first episode and as soon as it started playing out and I was learning about these characters and everything, it reminded me of what I liked about Game of Thrones when it when it first started. And you're learning the characters and you're learning this world and you're learning the dynamics between them all and how Game of Thrones can be at its best. And the early seasons of Game of Thrones were so good at setting up the story and world and, and the pacing was was so great and that's what was really what really didn't work about those latter seasons when they strayed from the books is the pacing just kind of got all out of whack when everything felt rushed um so i think that they've i'm hoping that they've learned those lessons but just seeing how this started in the introduction i thought it was was pretty 
fantastic actually i was i was much higher on this than i expected to be for for a premiere and especially it's like all the things that i liked about game of thrones like people sitting around tables and plotting and talking like i like that shit i like king's landing and i I'll, the king's landing stuff in game of thrones was always to me some of the the better stuff so now we've got a show that seems completely dedicated to that and these the the early plotting and we're far enough removed from game of thrones itself that there's still a, enough room to maneuver where we're learning these new characters that you can get invested in and we don't know what their fates are you know it'd be one thing if this was like a year before game of thrones started and you didn't know <laughs> yeah. where things are gonna go you know this is far enough removed where there's there's a lot of new to really i think sink your teeth into so i i was uh, very high on the premiere and, and y'all y'all already commented on it but it looked great the production values were incredible which i mean of course they know that this is their their prized pig i think from hbo standpoint so they're gonna put everything they they have into it but um i mean the costumes just look phenomenal oh yeah i'm uh and then yeah well so that so i think those are those are general thoughts so yeah it sounds like obviously we're all very high on it so we can yeah for at least maybe i'm speaking for myself i'm very high on it y'all are at least high on i was i was also very high on it yeah yeah, I'll, I can't wait to watch more for sure. I'll watch the I'll watch the whole season, and at this rate, you know, if the whole season's like this, then we're in for a good ride. Uh, to to kind of echo some of the stuff you had said, uh, I think there's some stuff that really makes Game of Thrones a Game of Thrones experience, right? I know it's kind of stupid to say, but there's things that set it apart from other fantasy settings uh, and just other different settings in general, and that is King's Landing is one, the Hand of the King, the Council. And if if you don't have that, then I'm not sure it would feel like Game of Thrones. It would just feel like a thing in Westeros. Uh, so you're right, they hit on that. And they have all these interesting, dynamic characters. They all have history with each other. Some like or don't like each other. Uh, and then some you just don't know a whole lot about yet. Uh, like the guy who's married to the queen that should have been. Uh, you know, we don't know a whole lot about him yet. And I'm really interested to see how his story unfolds, because he's definitely got some stuff up his sleeve. And that's, the, that's what you want from Game of Thrones, right? Is there's mystery, there's intrigue. And then by the end of the first episode, uh, like you were saying, it, this is almost 200 years before, so we don't know what's going to happen. All we know is that Targaryens will be in the seat, right? But now, even by the end of the first episode, uh, you've got like three and a half players aiming for the Targaryen seat. And so it's got all the Game of Thrones stuff you want. You don't know who's going to win. You don't know who's going to get the throne. You've got the the violence going on in the city. I, I'm just I'm so in. You know I'm to, I'm totally invested. They they crushed it. Uh, it. It checks all the boxes to be Game of Thrones. It's and you touched on something talking about your little description there. The hard part now about starting a new series. Because if you remember when Game of Thrones first started, it was hard to get your, you know, to wrap your head around who the characters were and their names. And there's probably, even now in our, our discussion of it, there's probably going to be a lot of, oh, that guy who did this and this one guy, because I definitely don't know all their names yet. <laughs> I do yeah. have a, a list of the actors and everything in front of me, so I can kind of refer to them. But um, yeah, it's tough. There's like, yeah, there's the king and then the king's daughter and the king's brother. And then there's the, the, the queen's or the king's sister or whoever the, the queen that would have yeah, been the cousin you know, of the brother of the sister cousin, of the guy, 
There's going to be a lot of that, you know, the yeah. placing the pins with the yarn running between them of who, who it is It doesn't who help that they're do. all Targaryens, too, so all of the names are going to be like Raynor and Tariel and crap like that. <laughs> it's not just like Sam and Dean, you know? We, no, we, we no Bran. You know the one with the white hair, that one? You mean, you mean like Ned? The guy who used to be Doctor Who? <laughs> right. Oh, well, Matt that's Smith. actually that's a good that's a good transition, Gary. Let's talk about the Matt Smith of it all because he's one of the bigger names that is part of this, and he's he's an actor that I find to be intriguing just because he looks so so distinct. <laughs> last, I unfortunately last saw him in Morbius. He's he's the villain oh. in that, but he was also in last night last night in Soho and. Um, and then, of course, you know, of all the going back that I go, that I do watching old episodes of Doctor Who that he's in. Just kidding, because I'm not a giant freaking nerd over here watching Doctor Who. Wow. wow. Doctor Who's Dang. great. Oh, man. You're not a giant nerd. Let's talk about the Game of Thrones finale that aired about an hour ago. <laughs> um, go so go anyway, buy yeah, another that's... collector's edition DVD, you dork. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> You know, I, I, going into this, knew Matt Smith was going to be in it, and I almost thought maybe he would be, you know, Sean Bean was the big name going into the into Game of Thrones. There's a lot of established actors in that show, but he was kind of the big name, and of course he dies at the, you know, spoilers at the end of season one. So I was kind of thinking, is Matt Smith going to be the name that they have here to, like, help establish things and whatever, and then maybe won't make it through the first season? There's but a after point, seeing yeah. this. He's he's such a distinct, you know, villain type character from what we've seen. Um, I'm maybe you know it seems like he's going to be somebody they're going to keep around for a while to cause some chaos here. So um, I was I was pleasantly surprised with that. So again, having no expectations of this show, not really watching a trailer, I thought that Matt Smith was just going to be in it, right? And I didn't really know what he was going to do. And I like Matt Smith from what I've seen him in. But I was afraid he was going to be boring. Um, he was not boring. Boring is not the word I would use to describe Matt Smith's character. No. Um, he was great. He's phenomenal. He's dynamic. He's the kind of character who I think is going to stick around because you want him to die. Uh, I think he'll be, you know, just continually plaguing everyone right up until the end. Um, he's... The kind of character who I can see almost doing like a Jamie Lannister type of story arc where you hate him in the beginning and then by the end there's some sort of redemption, you don't hate him, um, and then he dies anyways before he really has a chance to be a hero. See, sorry, so Matt Smith, uh, I thought you did a great job. I love Matt Smith. He, uh, upon like my third watching of Doctor Who, I think he might actually be my favorite. Um, but. It was uncomfortable watching him have doggy-style sex. Uh, I was like, Doctor Who, no. But uh, I thought he was a great villain. Honestly, I don't really... I didn't hate him. I didn't hate him. Like, you know how many people were probably like, Doctor Who, yes! I was like, no! Not my not my doctor. <laughs> so sex. many people have just wanted to see that their, their entire lives. The, uh, there's so many Doctor Who... Doctor Who's friend cheeks. <laughs> by that scene. Hey, but this is a Game of Thrones spinoff, you know. We, 
We knew what we were signing up for. Yeah, if you're not spreading cheeks, are you even Game of Thrones? But yeah. You know, that's another thing Annie said. My wife, she was like, there's the nudity. Guess it's still Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's a lot. Besides sitting around a council, yeah, you do have to have some nudity and gratuitous violence. But again, they checked all the boxes. Checked all the boxes. But yeah, uh, so he... I don't know. I didn't really get to the point where I hated it. I kind of felt... I don't know. He... I felt for him a bit because it almost seemed, I'm not sure if this is true, but it almost seemed like he was actually like there and had his brother's back a bit. Um, it kind of seemed like he got the short end of the stick towards the end a little bit, not completely. Cause he was a dick. He was a huge dick and I could see him being a bad King. I think he's got some of that Targaryen madness. He definitely does, oh. but it wasn't to the point where I hated it. Like, uh, Daenerys's brother, that guy was annoying. Uh, and Joffrey was also fucking annoying. Those, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, wait, Joffrey didn't have, he wasn't a Targaryen. But he was annoying. But he was annoying <laughs> no. and bad. Yeah, he wasn't that kind of crazy, I guess is my point. He wasn't, like, unhinged where you to the point where you can't relate to him, I guess is my point. Yeah, I mean, he went out and definitely massacred the people, but the people were all criminals. Uh, it was just his way of... Uh, he was definitely swinging his big dick, and it was definitely violent, but... Maybe he's not a bad guy, but just to me, that that shows a touch of madness. I mean, that scene, uh, you can't go around cutting off wings, like, on a whim and not be crazy. Yeah, he can. So, to me, he's got, like, big-time Nazi vibes, you know? That's his private <laughs> military, his private army kicking in doors, cutting off people's dicks because of alleged crimes that he was the judge of there yeah. that day. Um, so, I, I think he's got a touch of the touch of the madness. Well, there was a shot in the show that stuck out to me that I thought was actually pretty incredible, and it's during the the jousting scene while, that's simultaneously with the queen giving birth and and going through all that. It's a great and scene, yeah. it, That led up to her death, and there's a part where I think they start to get the baby out of her, for lack of better terms to use, and then it cuts to... Um, it's it's Prince Damon Targaryen, Matt Smith's character, as he gets essentially knocked off his horse, but he slides on his back along the rail that separates the two lanes of horses, and it looked like he had a gleeful smile on his face, like as if he was enjoying this, you know, the ride that he was on there. And I was like, that this to me perfectly defines the character. And then that the way they were syncing up the action of those two kind of terrifying scenes was was pretty incredible i thought from an editing um and storytelling perspective so there were some scenes like that i thought that he got um some of the best moments also you know we could talk about matt smith's look all day but just the his different dragon helmets one from the the you know the captain of of the of the town watch, whatever you call it, the city watch, the helmet he was wearing then, the helmet that he, he was wearing during all the jousting scenes. Man, they're giving this guy some incredible helmets. Dude, that really his, showcase how incredible his face looks. His armor was badass every time. Yeah, he looked dope. His armor was definitely badass. I think those helmets hinged on video game dragon, which, if for better or worse, they were definitely iconic. Um, but I thought, you know, a little cheesy. But I thought the wolf helmet was a, a little cheesy, too. It definitely did look like the final armor that you could unlock in, like, a Dragon <laughs> Age video game. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, he is a prince, so of course he has boss armor. Yeah, it was gaudy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, if anybody's going to have it, that's the guy. 
Um, there was a part early in season one of Game of Thrones where if Littlefinger had been killed, everyone would have been okay. Uh, basically everyone, except for Bobby B. He still would have died uh, pretty early on. He got poisoned and whatnot. Uh, in this show, in the new Game of Thrones, in that jousting fight, uh, when Matt Smith, when Damon goes down and the other knight is over him with the flail, Coleman and and Damon barely yields, barely. You can see him thinking about it. That was the moment when I was like, if you smashed in Damon's face right now, this show wouldn't happen. Yeah, like this, this, this would be the moment. This would be the one, the guy who could have ended it all before it started. Uh, and he had too much honor, and he didn't. And I'm not sure Damon would have done the same for him if the, if the shoe would have been switched. Uh, it was just a funny moment for me. It stuck out. It was a real, like, ding, here's a trigger moment. Like, this is really important. He could have killed Damon right here. Yeah. Yeah, my the show wouldn't have happened moment was when the, the, the baby, uh, I mean, we're talking spoilers, uh, when the baby didn't make it, uh, and they have him on a separate, because I didn't realize the baby didn't make it until I saw the second pyre. With the baby right, on. I think that was, yeah, I didn't know either, and you see that, and you go, oh, oh no, oh shit, yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh, I guess, I guess this is why there's going to be a show. Otherwise, it would just be a simple matter of normal succession, and no one wants to watch that. Uh, which, which so... again, talking about a storytelling perspective, one of the things I thought that they did so well in setting this up is uh, the first episode is that they did such a good job of creating a sense of urgency in subtle ways. Um, early on, you see the k- king, Viserys, um, has that wound on his back that's mm-hmm. not healing, which, of course, that to me is is huge foreshadowing of something that could, you know, an infected wound that's not healing probably be the death of him. And then you see him put in a situation where, you know, his not only does his wife not survive, but his son, heir, you know, the heir also doesn't survive and so now all of a sudden there's a sense of urgency of like what's going to happen now you see this guy who's literally his life is a ticking clock of when it could potentially end and they got to figure something out or else crazy old prince damon targaryen matt smith is going to be taken over yeah and it's very clear up front you don't want that to happen so i thought they did a great job of of really getting you invested in creating that sense of urgency of like okay they got to figure something out here um don't want this guy to be in charge. They said a lot of that in in the meetings, in the council meetings, when everyone was, like, fighting over the throne, and, like, you have to pick somebody or else, like, this is just going to be a bloodbath. Uh, and I'm not sure. I feel like they knew about Grayscale at this point in the timeline, so I'm not sure if that's what it was, but it looked like he had Grayscale, and I'm not it, sure. It did look like the starting of Grayscale. I thought the same thing, but I'm oh. also not sure. But I thought it was... It, did I hear correctly that his that wound came from one of the swords that makes up the he Iron Throne? He said, I'm sure it's just a wound from the throne. Okay. Well, but I don't think he was sure. Because later you see him with blood on his fingers as if he's nicked himself on the on the seat there, too. Yeah. Bringing, bringing multiple meanings to when he says it's the most dangerous throne in the land to sit upon, both literally and figuratively. Knife chair! Yeah, it's pretty dangerous. Well, and um, speaking of sitting around the table and, and there, I, I want to talk a little bit about Sir Otto Hightower, which is the Hand of the King, played by Risa Fons, yeah. uh in the show, which I was pretty sure I had seen he was in the show. But as I'm watching, I'm like kind of trying to figure out who he was. And the whole time I was like, is that him? Um, Risa Fons, obviously a very a famous character actor. 
um, who is one who can totally disguise himself and really looks like himself. You know, he played Kurt Connors, the lizard in the amazing Spider-Man movies and in, gotcha. in No Way Home. He was uh, Xenophilia's love good in the latter Harry Potter movies. Oh, wow. Um, he's okay. very well known for a scene in Notting Hill, you know, old romantic comedy. Dude's been around for a while and just always kind of playing crazy characters. And here, as the Hand of the King, playing like a very a more normal character, but who also seems like he has a lot of nuances to him. He's one of the characters at first you meet that you seem like has a lot of good in him and really does want what's best for the king. But as we know in, in Game of Thrones... Everybody always has their own agenda and even seeing him sending his own daughter up to comfort the king and potentially see her, you know, become the new queen and, and have his bloodline inserted there. It's everybody has their own motives, no matter how good a character may seem. That whole thing made me very uncomfortable when he said her. But yeah, the I really, so I really like the Hightower thing because... They're not in Game of Thrones. You don't hear anything about the High Towers, and so it's like, what's going to happen in the next hundred? You know, like, is this it? Are they? Are we about to watch them die? Uh, and that's a lot of the stuff I'm interested in seeing too, like where the houses were. It's interesting the Baratheons are in it. Uh, you hear names like that. Like I said, you don't need to have seen Game of Thrones at all, but you are rewarded with like, oh, cool, that's where this house is. You know, you see Rickon Stark at the end, um, and that kind of stuff because. In Game of Thrones, they're all alluding to their family lines, and this has been done for generations and generations, and now here we are seeing those old generations. So, yeah, I, I have an appreciation for that. So I thought it was cool that the storyline in Game of Thrones, the first one, there's an undead army coming, and there's a dragon army coming. Uh, those are pretty huge end-of-world events storming your way. Um, and then... They sort of both happen, right? That's what the whole that's what the whole thing's about. In this version, in the new one, House of Dragons, um, they start by showing you that forty years, however, ago, there was the battle for who the heir was going to be, uh, and you know they they just barely chose who they chose. They didn't choose the female. And now, by the end of the first episode, again, it's uh, it's almost this urgent battle over who the heir is going to be. So they kind of set the story, the same story, into motion twice. So we really understood how important this heir fight is going to be. Um, because just passing along an heir doesn't seem like such a critical, crucial thing. So they did a good job showing us in the beginning and then reestablishing throughout the episode of why this could be a, almost a world-ending event. Or at least a King's Landing ending event. Or a Targaryen ending event. So so this is a big deal without being an undead horde or a dragon army. Yeah. And, you know, you wonder how you're going to keep those high stakes in a show like this. Um, and I, I think they did a good job. I think they did a good job keeping high stakes. And on the talk of the heirs, um, I, I think by the end of this episode, I'm looking at, you know, the Queen Who Was... Uh, she might be making a play for the throne by the end of the series. Uh, Damon could be making a play for the throne by the end of the series. And then, of course, the female lead, the the princess, uh, she is, by the end of the episode, nominated to be the next heir. Um, and I thought she, her performance, we haven't talked about her yet, I thought she totally killed it. 
Crushed it, yeah. yeah. I was going to transition to that, too. It looks like she is going to be, you know, kind of the, the vessel through which the audience sees the show. I, I guess kind of the 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 lead, for better or for worse, um, even though there are a lot of characters. It does seem like it's the show's kind of on her shoulders in a way, if that makes She's sense. sort of our Daenerys and Sansa rolled into one. Uh, yeah, and and I thought she was very good. She had a, a, a you know, she's young, but also the way that she handled her dialogue and like snappy responses, uh, it seems like she's got a lot going on as an actress. Like I think I think she was very good. She was very regal. Uh, she was like absolutely royalty, no, no question. I I loved it. I thought she was great. Uh, it's funny that she's she's you know she's like Arya. She wants to be a knight. That kind of thing. She has this whole thing foist upon her at the end. Uh, that whole scene at the end, when they're in the room with the dragon's head, and he tells her, like, you know, what do you see, and all that. That was a cool conversation. Uh, and during that, I mean, that was really cool that he, like, passed on the secret to the air. And it's like, hey, like, this shit's not fake. Like, there are going to be, just so you know, if you don't maintain a strong kingdom, the undead will kill everybody. And, like, it's funny to think about because, obviously, the Mad King, they had kind of an issue with the succession because he was killed. And, you know, that information died with him. And, and now we know that. Now we know exactly where in the chain <laughs> that was lost. And that's just a very interesting thing. Uh, because it, it was lost, like, right before it became relevant, which is really funny. But, yeah, uh, Jamie Lannister did it off camera right before it started. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Lannister doomed us all. What's your background? Uh, I killed the king. Like, oh, okay, great. You know, like... You see the show, you watch the character, but, like, from, like, a role-playing point of view, like, making a character, that's such a great backstory. Oh, yeah, I killed I killed the king, but, like, it's cool now. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but my daddy's rich, so it's okay. Did you all find yourself, when watching this, kind of having to reset your mind to get back into Game of Thrones? Like, Jahan, you've already alluded to this and some of the things that are like kind of gross or uncomfortable when you're watching, but you're like, that's also just game of Thrones where I, you know, there's the technical stuff. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So there's the King and then there's the hand of the King and the King's guard and, um, and the Meisters and the, all that, you know, I'm kind of had to get myself back into the structure of how their kingdom is set up. But then there's also of like, yeah, the sex and the violence and all that. And these, these old men taking on their young queens and, you know, so that oh, they can God. have heirs and all that. Like, I had to mentally get myself back in the flow of just, of, of, of Westeros, you know, for, for that matter. So, Jen recently did a watch of Game of Thrones. So, like, I've seen it recently. Uh, but all gratuitous sex scenes in every show that I watch uh, is ten times worse when I'm watching with my parents, which I was watching with both of my parents, and then here's Matt Smith doing doggy style for an absurd amount of time. That went on for a long time, <laughs> and it was very like, uh, yeah, uh, spankings. Like, it was graphic, and I'm like, man, my dad's right there. <laughs> like, this is really awkward. But, uh... Yeah, no, I could, I could see that. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but just everything, I feel like they did a great job of not overloading 
with story and exposition. Like, it, it did just enough while also having the things that I think could ease us back into it. The jousting, you know, the big celebrations... Just being back in King's Landing, you know, there are parts where they walked through a section where I thought, oh, you know, that's where Cersei and them had their big map on the on the ground and where they would be planning their battles. And, and like in this, it's just a common area where there's people around and and how much King's Landing seemed to be alive and with people throughout and almost did seem like a, uh, <laughs> a civilization that works together or just works in general, whereas... In Game of Thrones, it's always kind of in a, a state of disarray or just, you know, the people that live in King's Landing are just straight up awful poverty and just living in terrible states. And then this, it was interesting to go back and see it all functioning. To, to be fair, we did witness like a hundred of them lose hands and bollocks without a yeah, trial. Those were all the bad guys. Those <laughs> Supposedly. Were all the rapists, the <laughs> no trial, no due process. Give me your hand. No one's going to bandage your arm. I don't know. That's kind of dystopian. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It did seem to be a better off um, King's Landing for sure. And they even talk about how it had been on the decline since one of the queens had died or something. And and Matt Smith was kind of restoring it to glory. Like, you know. Like, that's the kind of cool thing about King's Landing is we watched it decline even in Game of Thrones, right? We watched it go through this, like, religious apocalypse of authoritarian rule uh, where the religion rose up against the crown. And so, yeah, King's Landing has just been on the decline for like 200 years. So now we get to see this different version where uh, instead of religious zealots, it's just like this criminal underground, this, this criminal den. Uh, and that alone could lead to a lot of fun stories or even new interesting characters. Yeah, um... I'm trying to think. I'm looking, you know, I don't know how much more I really even have to say about it. Like, I really liked it. I liked seeing the dragons again. I thought the CG of the dragons looked Dragons look great. Uh, oh, I do have a, a question for y'all. Um, regarding the princess, the, you know, the main character. I think it's Renera, Renera, if, if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, I think so. Who was named the heir at the end. Her friend i guess you know her her close friend who's Hightower's daughter yes lady high allicent are they her name's alice are they alice. Just, are they, <laughs> it is they that's her name really there were there was times where i was getting mixed signals in one of their first scenes together where i couldn't tell if they are just really really close friends they seem like they or, might be into each other okay like they might have a little bit more than friendship there. The so princess definitely feels like she might be into it. So, okay. even even Lady Hightower, I thought, uh, I definitely agree. I thought that she was flirty with the princess. And then, of course, she goes to hit on the king. And then I thought even whenever she gave Damon her her prize, whenever he brought his lance over, she was, like, really into Damon. I was like, oh, is she supposed to marry him? Like, that was my next question. I was like, oh, is she going to... Like, yeah, I she did give her favor together. to him, yeah. Yeah, first I was like, oh, the girls are together. Then it was the favor, and I was like, oh, no, she's into him on the down low, but he's already married. But then she... And then she goes to the king. So I'm, yeah. I think maybe she's just that kind of uh, consort. Maybe, but also, like... And then the princess gave her favor to Coleman, 
who was a lowborn son uh, because she was and a Dornishman apparently, which is interesting. Uh, and I feel like there's some crossover with Targaryens and the Dornish at some point in history too. So this might be it. But um, also, I wouldn't call what she did with the king going to flirt so much as being sent to be molested by. If just semantically, I feel like I it was. A, I don't think she, she wanted to go. Maybe the terminology I, it was she was sent to comfort him. She let's was. Just, let's go with that. Okay. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you can you, you can uh, extract that how you please. I, but I yeah. hated it. I was uh, very upset. She did not seem like that was the first time she had been commanded to do such a thing. No. no. I did. I did think I liked the. You know, obviously, Damon and Hightower, the Hand, are rivals in a sense, and you could see that by him choosing. Damon chose his uh, son, yeah, Hightower's son, to be his first jousting opponent, and then I saw him as seeking the daughter's favor as also just being like a, a slap to That's Hightower. Fair. So That's just fair. all of those mind games that he's playing early yeah. on lets you know that, um, you know, Damon, no matter how how crazy or unhinged he may be, um, he's smart and he has a plan. Whether he is certainly sharp. Yeah. I also enjoy the fact that the king and queen in the beginning, uh, before the birthing, obviously, they're both clearly Targaryens. <laughs> Before marriage, so well that's always been the thing. Right? Yeah, the Targaryens always married within their own blood to make sure it's, that their yeah. that their the lineage was pure. So that that was always a thing. It's very upsetting, but yeah, I mean it's true. Damon, Damon is the brother of the king, yes, right? The brother of the king. I thought whenever he gave the princess the necklace uh, that. You know, she was like, you know, he does, the king doesn't know he's here yet, right? And she went to, like, talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, and they kind of had a moment. It wasn't, like, real flirty. It wasn't real it, sexual. But he's not real cool with a lot of people, and he seems to be cool with her. He also referred to, uh, the way he referred to her mom uh, was kind of, like, playful and fun. I, like, he almost liked them more than he even likes his own brother. Uh and may, you know, who knows how he's related to that mom because that could have been his sister also. It's, you know, they're all Targaryens. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they really keep it in the family and it's gross. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, a, a, a non-relationship bloom between the two of them. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best the best way to say it. Yeah, all in all, man, uh, this, I mean, you know, you got the, the callbacks, like, uh, the, the Valyrian steel sword, uh, what, weeping sister or whatever, uh, you got dragons, you got, you got violence, dragons, you got violence. incest, you got yep. incest, <laughs> <laughs> incest, dragons, and blood, it's Game of Thrones, it's back, and it's, uh, it's, it's good. Yeah, it was good. I'm looking Certified forward to the fresh. next one, I'm looking forward to it being... You know the water cooler discussion. I, I I've said it before when when they announced the show, I was like, I don't need more Game of Thrones. But now that it's here and that I enjoyed the premiere as much as I did, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here for so, more Game of Thrones. So here's the big question: What do you guys think? Um, we still have Lord of the Rings coming out at some point, so we're gonna have. What, what do you think? What are you guys thinking? What do you foresee in the future of fantasy entertainment? You have any gut feelings? This is good, man. I don't know. So, it's a Lord good time of... to be alive. First of all, it is it's a good just... time. 
to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. I don't think Lord of the Rings is going to have anywhere near as much nudity sex. Definitely not as much incest, uh, which I guess isn't a deal breaker. Uh, but it's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's it, they, just like Game of Thrones without the incest. I'm not watching I'm this not bullshit. watching it. <laughs> Alabama just collectively turns off their TVs. But yeah, um, I mean, it's apples and oranges if you ask me. Yeah, it's tough because they're both, you know, in quotes, fantasy. So it's easy to lump them in. And heck, I've been doing it for a while. I mean, the fact that these shows are coming out essentially around the same time against each other, I think isn't a coincidence. I think that that's on purpose as a a competitive move. Um, Now, that being said, Game of Thrones has been a big part of my life for the last 10 years. You know, it's a show I've been consistently watching. Um, but Lord of the Rings has a lot more nostalgia for me as far as reading the books and watching the movies back when they came out. In Playing all ago. the video games, man. We've had 20 years worth of great Lord of the Rings games, yeah. arguably better than the movies. Yeah, it's actually a shame we haven't had more considering how big that franchise is. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm very excited for... I'm probably more excited for Lord of the Rings starting than I was for House of the Dragon. But that being said, I had more confidence that House of the Dragon would be good, just as what it is, than with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, I'm still almost a little nervous about it. Although I've seen some early buzz that the the first that the episodes are good, so of Lord of the Rings. So um, you know, we'll have to see. I, I like I said, easy to lump them both in together as fantasy, but Lord of the Rings, you're getting dwarves and elves and hobbits and things like that that. You don't really get in Game of Thrones. I do wish Game of Thrones had some more fantasy species and things like that going on, but it does have, you know, the elves, the the children of the woods. And now that we're back in time, there's a, a better chance that we get to see them as we move along. We did see the the tree with the face in the courtyard. I don't know if you guys caught that, but it's there. It's yeah. happening still, so... Uh, we may get a little bit more fantasy sprinkled on it this time. I, in, in an, I, I agree with you. I love dwarves, you know what I mean? I love a dwarven fantasy and magic. Uh, and we'll see if Lord of the Rings goes with some like, fireballs. Yeah, man. Orcs. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I don't remember um, who was the one that chopped down that tree in King's Landing, but somebody did before Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, so there's going to be a reason they chop it down, right? And maybe we'll get to see Maybe why, we're going to see I'm, it. Sure, it has something to do with the elves and magic. Um, I hope it's just like it obstructs someone's view of like the brothel. They're like, get it out of here! I'm the new arborist that the city hired, and that tree's too old. It's a danger to the foundation, and we're gonna have to take it down. I don't like the looks of them roots. Gotta have to go. Season two is like King's Landing versus the HOA. (laughs) King's Landing versus the insurance salesman. (laughs) So House of the Dragon, at least as far as episode one is concerned, which is officially called the Heirs of the Dragon is the name title of the first episode. Um, Clearly, it's certified fresh out the box. Yeah. Uh, So that being said, Gary and I have been itching to talk about the rehearsal, um, the new HBO show, Nathan Fielder show. However, we're strapped for time, so I do want to save that conversation for when we can dive into it a little bit more in detail. However, we got about five minutes here to, to play around real quick. Let's talk about the other premiere that happened earlier this week uh, on Disney+. Plus. We got She-Hulk Attorney at Law, the first episode premiered. 
We don't have to do an hour on this by any means, but I am curious to hear some quick thoughts from each of you about what you thought about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Jahan, we will start with you. I mean, it's a great show. Uh, it's a feminist show. It has female writers, and it shows uh, in just the portrayal of women not, you know, <laughs> being written by men. Um, I, I love She-Hulk as a character, personally. I always have. Um, and if you don't know, she's the current Hulk on the Avengers team. Um, but I thought it was great. I loved watching her master her powers. I loved, uh, I thought that her and, uh, Bruce had really good chemistry. Like they seemed like they cared about each other and were cousins, you know, like you could tell that they were family. Um, and I really, I really liked it. It also, and it had the greatest end credit scene of all time. It was, I was dying. I was dead. I didn't see the end credit scene, so I can't speak on that. You skipped it? <laughs> I didn't skip it. It's after the credits. I didn't wait for it. Oh, it was, it was worth it. It was worth the wait. Uh, maybe I'll go back and check it out when I watch episode two. It, um, it was Gary, hilarious. But yeah. Gary, what did you think of She-Hulk? I, so I did not read She-Hulk. I don't read She-Hulk. Not one of my favorite characters or books. Um... And I thought the show was corny. I thought a lot of the jokes were corny. I thought the CG looked pretty bad. I hate Bruce Banner Hulk mix. Uh, I hate that yeah, character. You do. Yeah. It was it was like watching all the. It was like watching a third character. It, it was not like watching Banner or any of the Hulks that I've become accustomed to over the years of Marvel. It was like watching a new, not funny third character whose jokes didn't land. Who thought he was real funny. Uh, it was just like a real painful watch for me. I was able to make it through the whole episode, but I did not enjoy it. Um, but now that it's going, now that they can start the attorney show part of things, uh, I'm a little bit more interested. I just, uh, I, I know that like the She-Hulk books are a little corny and a little silly and a little funny, uh, and they break the fourth wall. But to me, that's the kind of stuff that killed comics in like the late 80s and, and 90s and kind of tanked them and crushed them uh, before books like X-Men came back around and uh, started trying to get stuff serious again. And then, of course, they got corny and tanked. And then Ultimate Universe comes back around and tries to get serious again. Uh, when this corny stuff comes around, I think it's bad. I think it's bad for the whole industry. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I... Um... I, I definitely enjoyed the premiere. It's I I you know talk about going into something with little to no expectations. I kind of was like that, and I, and I did enjoy it. Um, when things start with breaking the fourth wall, I'm not a fan of breaking the fourth wall in general. I think that there are times where it's done, and I do enjoy it. An example is actually the recent winning time series on HBO did some breaking the fourth wall, and John C. Riley was actually pretty pretty natural at doing that, and I thought it worked. And in this, it wasn't overused, so it was fine, and it, it wasn't, like, outright bad or anything, but just when things do it off the bat, I'm like, am I gonna, am I gonna like this? Um, that being said, um, I thought, you know, some of the humor landed alright. I can understand your complaints about the Hulk, Gary, because, yeah, it's not the classic Hulk, right? It's not the... I'm banner smart. I'm Hulk mean. It's the, the weird mix up that almost seems like a cheat code in the MCU. Um, 
that being said, I, I'm not under the impression he's really going to be in it much beyond this pilot. I think that it, it looked to me like Banner is probably in it for the exposition and getting her set up. And I don't think he's going to be in it much more except maybe to provide some assistance as needed, like over the phone or what, yeah. know, over Zoom or something, whatever yeah, it may be. Maybe he'll have scenes but not directly interact with her. I, I completely get that same impression. Yeah, but um, I'm with you. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes more as a legal comedy of a female lawyer who's also a Hulk trying to navigate her job as a lawyer and also navigating dating and everyday life. Like that to me, I do think there's some appeal there as as being something funny and like a little bit more chill, I guess. Like I obviously wasn't a huge fan of Moon Knight. I liked some of Miss Marvel. Like I was really high on it when it started and I thought it was a little bit dragged out and they really tried to make it like this huge sprawling story that I thought got a little bit beyond the control of the show. Yeah. I think that She-Hulk looks like it's going to be a little bit more contained and maybe a little more chill. So I'm looking forward to that. And of course we've got, we've got more to look forward to with, we know Wong's going to be in the show. We know Daredevil's going to be in the show. We know, um, Abomination's going to be back, you know, uh, Tim Roth. So I was the after credits uh, scene, Jahan. <laughs> so like during the whole show, like she's subtly like being like talking about Captain America and, you know, cause they bring up Captain America, they bring up Tony Stark and like, it's cool to hear them talk about them. You get a little bit more of those characters that are gone, but she's speculating on like him being a virgin and like, she's doing math uh, and like, she's like, so he never had blah, blah, blah. But at the end credit scene, they're back at the bar, you know, uh, at the Hulk's bar that he has in his, his bodega or whatever. Uh, and she's like, she's in her human form and she's really drunk and she's like slurring her speech and she's like crying and she's like, she's like, did you see that ass? That ass didn't deserve to die of her. And like, she was just like lamenting the fact that Captain America never had sex. And finally Bruce was like, um, Captain America lost his virginity at an OSO, uh, uh, whatever, uh, one of those shows. Yeah, in in 1943, during this tour, he lost his virginity. And then she sobered up and was like, yeah, I knew it. And he was like, you're not really drunk. She's like, no. And she's like, uh, and then she's like, Captain America, fool. And then it cuts out because she was just cheering that he had sex. Uh, and it was really funny. I thought it was good. I watched she hulk with my wife and would you like to know what her biggest hang-up about the whole show was yes which is why whenever jennifer walters hulks out does her hair grow that was the thing i've heard that my wife i've heard that get, get, couldn't get past <laughs> i have also heard that uh by from other people um yeah i think I don't the have a short good answer to that is going to be cg I think they had such a hard time trying to figure out how to make the hair look good in CG that they just kept changing it and making it longer and changing haircuts and doing everything they could until they tried to make the hair as decent as they could. Uh, I think the CG is going to be one of those things that we look back in 10 years and you guys are going to be like, holy crap, that was bad. And I'll be like, yeah, it's I not the so. It's not the best. Uh, hey, I, my justification for it, it, it looks like CG in a TV show. And ultimately, that's it what does. it is. It's a TV show. And um, I will say I thought it looked better than especially the earliest trailer. Yeah, it looked man, better than that. If you want to say it's a TV show, let's call it Game of Thrones a TV show, too, because their dragons looked way better than the CG in She-Hulk. 
that. I mean, I get what you're saying. I think that they're dumping more money into a season of Game of Thrones a year or House of the Dragon in a year than they are with the probably by a lot. This is like the seventh, what seventh Marvel show, MCU yeah. Disney Plus series. We've gotten year. them like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. But I understand. But I mean, it's a valid. I get it. Valid, uh, it's, it's streaming service versus streaming service and maybe it's not fair to compare the budget of the shows but it is service versus service she, uh, she hulk's still hot man that's all i'm saying this is disney plus's current show versus hbo's current show and uh i don't have to pick one but if i did it would be game of thrones but i'll be watching both of these i'll, I'll check back in with you guys and see how you're feeling about both I'll put it this way. She-Hulk is the show that, like, if I'm working from home on Thursday when the episode drops for She-Hulk, that I can watch on my lunch break while, like, eating lunch, hanging out, you know, whatever. Game of Thrones, or House of the Dragon, is going to be the show that on Sunday nights, I put everything aside at 8 o'clock to watch the new episode when it drops. I also of- watch She-Hulk on my lunch break, but hey, <laughs> I like it. It's All cool right, because yeah. Game of Thrones comes on at 7 o'clock here, so then I can spoil it for you guys. That's not how that works, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's how time works. Oh, shit. That'd be cool, though. Yeah, it would. <laughs> That'd be dope. Gary lives right. in the future. All right. So that's it. This, is, this, this has, has been, been Fresh Out the Podcast. Episode what? 59. Episode Ooh. 59. Nice. I've actually I've actually got something fun planned for episode sixty that I haven't even talked to you guys about yet. But I think we're actually gonna be doing an MCU draft. So there'll be more That uh, sounds more fun. That. So uh there'll be more on that soon, but I think that's what you can look forward to next week. But yeah, uh, I've been, I enjoyed talking House of the Dragon with you with you guys. I'm glad it was good, guys. I'm glad it's Me good. Too. I'm it. glad it's good. I'm yeah, so glad I was it's prepared. Good. I was totally prepared to be let down. Game of Thrones needed something to be good after the show ended the way it did. And it is. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening to Fresh Out the Podcast, episode 59. Uh, I am the board game guru and game master extraordinaire, Jahananan, at RockFact on Twitter. It's me, it's me, Casualty CDG, and you can find me at Casualty CDG. Go watch the rehearsal on HBO Max and also watch How To with John Wilson uh, more so watch the rehearsal, and if you like it, then watch How To. I've been preaching about these shows for over a year now. The rehearsal just ended. What an absolutely strange emotional trip the ending was. That You cannot even fathom what we're talking about unless you go watch the show The Rehearsal. Uh, it's just some next-level complex comedy and insight into human psyche. But if you like tabletop role-playing games, you can come by Fresh Out the Box. Jahan and I play tabletop games sort of like Dungeons & Dragons, except not Dungeons & Dragons. We play every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, So tell your friends, and then tell that guy at the restaurant that's sitting at the table next to you. And I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. And again, thank you all for listening to episode 59 of Fresh Out the Podcast. Jamila Jamil injured her butthole in She Hulk. <laughs> Stay fresh. <laughs>